So much fun. I mean, guys are just excited to see a, a man of Pastor Jason's age doing manual labor. It's just exciting to me to... Is he not in here? That's too bad. One of the hardest working guys I know. Good morning, Freedom Center. Wow, it's fun. It's good to see the church full on Kingdom Builders Sunday, especially. And, and uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Jim. And my, my wife, Dina, who was up earlier now, we get to be the senior pastors here. We, we've been here for uh, just over 27 years. And when you stay long enough, you begin to see what, how important a moment is. I, I remember we were... Uh, asked, this is, oh, 20-some years ago, there was a little boy, his name was Chavez, four or five years old, and, and his mother said, is he too old to get on, or too young, rather, to get on the bus that I was driving with, without a license, without insurance, or without license plates? But we drove by faith and not by, not by sight. We drive by the French Laundry when it was first open, we say, hi, rich people, <laughs> we all wave or whatever. It was so stupid, but we had so much fun. And uh, is he too young to come on the bus? I looked at him, this little brown eyes and little brown face, little black hair. And I said, no, he's, I'll, I'll take extra good care of him. So fast forward years, decades later, and here comes this man who's bigger than I am, walks in the door, and he says, I've, I've been to war, and the things that I've seen have, have hindered my ability to trust people, to rest. I, I see things in my dreams that I saw in reality. What do I do? And I said, what's your name, buddy? Let's sit down. He told me his name. It was the little boy who is now a man who was a soldier who was dealing with, with the post-traumatic stuff. And I, and I say that to say this. We never know when we make a simple decision the profound effect it has on other people's lives. Do you see that? Have you guys lived long enough to know that? A simple yes, a simple no, a simple choice, a simple belief, a simple trust, a simple faith becomes downstream something that's pretty amazing. So today, I want to tell you about a, a couple of things that have happened in my wife and I's life. And then I want to teach you something that I trust will be, but certainly can be, uh, a pivotal point in your life that changes a lot of your tomorrows and changes a lot of things beyond that. When, when my wife first married me, she married me by faith, and she married me for love. I made $12,000 a year, and, and now that was back in 1980-something. What was it, babe, 1988, 89? I was there, I remember. The numbers are hard, but I remember the wedding. It was wonderful. And, and it, was, it was one of those things where... She was getting into the life of being a youth pastor's wife in a church that was led by an older ex-missionary couple, Pentecostal, you know what I mean? And, and it, was, it was a tough gig. Coming from a town of 120 people to a congregation of about 200 was already overwhelming. And, and yet she entered into, isn't that a great picture? She's smiling, doing all the work, and my mouth is open. How many guys know? She should have known at that point what, what her life was going to look like, right? And you know how the, how the saying goes, we're living in a crack house apartment, we're making $1,000 a month, we're doing the best we can. I had a lot of misgivings about Proverbs 31 and her potential. I was, I was very sexist, I didn't mean to be, I was just kind of doing what I'd seen others do, so I said, no wife of mine has to work, God will provide for this family and here's your $2, go feed our family for the week kind of stuff, you know. You have to have faith to be my wife and faith to be a follower of Jesus. It seems spiritual, you know. And, uh, and then, how many of you guys know, first comes love. Then comes marriage. Help me out. Then comes, yeah, Josh and the baby carriage. So she's about 11 months pregnant at the time, and we had this conversation. She'd thrown up for the first, what, six months, seven months, and, and now that's kind of, you know, as the Bible would say, she's great with child, and we don't have anything for a child because we don't make enough money to have a child. 
And she said, Jim, we need diapers and wipers and duct tape and, and stuff to hang on the wall and the things that spin over the crib and stuff that vibrates the kid to sleep and stuff that warms things up and the stuff that gets warmed up. We have none of that and we have no resource for it. And so I began to say to her, listen, I don't know how to do what I'm doing and do something else. I don't know how to get a job, but let's just do this. You, I, I never want my wife to ever have to compete with you. Does that make sense? How many of you guys agree with that? Dina Wiegand never has to compete with Freedom Center Church. Never. There's no contest. She comes first. Come on. That's, yeah, I don't think I agree with that. Then go to a church that agrees with that. But this church celebrates the family, the family being the foundation of ministry. If my family's not solid, forget this. I'm temporary, right? So I said, listen, if it comes to the time where the baby comes and you don't have everything you need, I will quit the ministry and I'll, I'll get another job that pays more than $12,000 a year. And by the time the baby came, the little froofy stuff. People would drop things off. Hey, just have a check for you. Hey, just wanted to say. Hey, just wanted to. Before we knew it, not only was the cool stuff there, the, the necessity. I dug these bold pictures out. And uh, yeah, that's a pile. Just the organizer that has the stuff to be organized is a pile of stuff. And all the blankets and all the pillows and all this stuff. And by the time Josh came, my 20, what would you have been, 23, 22-year-old bride was holding a child, and, that, and we had the, notice that blanket costs money, and those little things cost money, and, and that thing with his fist in his mouth, that thing costs a lot of money, but God had provided for us, and we learned, we learned that, that if there's a need over and above the, your provision, then you ask your provider. You don't look at your number and say, this is all there is. This is the ultimate reality, is my weekly paycheck. How many of you guys know that, that if the need is greater than the weekly paycheck, where did the weekly paycheck come from? If you're going to live in the kingdom, remember, you're a child of the king of the kingdom. So we, we kind of walked out and said, okay, well, we're allowed to ask God for stuff. Well, then we came here, and we, we took a cut and pay from being youth pastors <laughs> to be the senior pastor of Fenton Assembly of God Church, which was the name of the church at the time. We didn't have health insurance. We didn't have, a, you know, we could take part of our salary and make it a housing allowance and protect some things from tax liabilities. But there, we did the best we could. By now, I'd know, hey, she could get a job. And if we had a car, and what about daycare? And the cost of daycare versus the cost of taking the kids to the doctor every week because they're in daycare sometimes. And we figured it out. We just, we're just kind of living by this faith that God will provide. And then we came here, and three years into being here, the church had gone from about 100 people to about 300 people. The budget had gone from about $100,000 a year to about $300,000 a year. And, and with that tripling, I had, I had failed to ask for a raise as the cost of living went up, and we were living off of credit cards. Our debt was getting deeper and deeper until the place, until the time came, there was nobody else that would loan us money. Not MasterCard, not Visa, not Mom, not Dad, not, you know, and I felt like this guy saying, I can't feed my family. So I went to a board meeting, and I said, guys, here's the long and the short of it. I can't make my mortgage payment. It's huge. It's my fault. It's $420 a month. It's a massive mortgage payment. I realized I totally overextended. We've got a, a house that's so small that literally you don't have to unplug the vacuum to vacuum the entire home. It was brought in on a rail car in the 20s. But it's, it's our home. We love it on a 60 by 120 lot on Rig Street in Fenton. First home we've ever purchased. They're so excited about it. But I can't make the payment this month unless you give me permission to get an outside job, which will take away from some of my attentions here. And the board did one of the greatest things. Hear me. Let me just buy a show of hands. Have you ever been in the position to have to ask for something and it was humiliating? Anybody besides me? 
This is what it, now, they say, well, because you're so stupid with money. Why didn't you listen to Dave Ramsey? If you read the book of Proverbs, you know, why are you like your mother? Why are you like your father? You know what the board did? They said, whoops. We didn't realize we weren't paying you a living wage, and, and we never thought to ask because we never saw that you were in need. So instead of making me feel like a beggar, they said, here and now, what are your current bills that are overdue? And I told them. They wrote a check for it. And then they gave us, I think it was a 20% raise to kind of make up for the last few years. And I said, I, guys, let me pray about that. Amen. Yeah, we'll take that. That's, that's good. So I, I, learned, I learned how painful it is to be in need and be trapped even by good decisions. You ever been there? And I learned how joyous it was to be a part of a community that didn't cause me to be ashamed for being in need. They just said, ask. Ask. We love you. And it wasn't me. Anybody in that room could have asked. Anybody in this room could have asked. And the heart of the church, even back then, 20-some years ago, probably 25, 24 years ago, was if you just ask, this community can come in behind you. So we started growing in that grace. So now we realize God will provide for us. We can ask for over and above things when over and above things are needed. We can trust God with our financial needs. We can start dreaming some bigger dreams. And that led to the building that you're partially in right now. We said it's a $1.8 million uh, you know, facility that's going to go up. And, and so we realized we're asking a congregation of... I don't know, 500-ish people that were in, I think we were in triple services at the time, that we're going to go to a, a room that's uh, four times the size, so we'll just go, go back to one service, and we need the room to grow. The shoe is starting to dictate the size of the foot, but we really felt compelled. Like, I mean, this is, I believe this is the Lord, but you are not to ask for anything you're not willing to give as the leader of this house. You're not allowed to. You can't ask them to sacrifice if you won't sacrifice. If you're going to ask them to sacrifice, you should give first, and according to percentage, you should give all. And so we said, okay, for the next 12 months, every dollar over and above our minimum payments on all of our bills, all of them, we're not going to borrow another dollar. We're going to trust our master, not our MasterCard, because we've been there. And we realized that your MasterCard is the one you trust. Your MasterCard becomes your master. Come on, it's awful to be in debt. How many hours a week did I have to work before I started working for myself? I was working 34 hours a week just to pay debt. And then the other hours were spent towards like feeding my family. So... We, we said, we're not going backwards, and we're going to take everything we can. We're going to live by faith for a year. And you know what God did during that year? We had debt-free vacations. We, we bought our kids brand-new school clothes, and we bought their friends brand-new school clothes. I remember going on vacation with enough money. We paid cash for everything. You say, how did you pay cash? If every dollar went towards the minimum payments and giving towards the building fund. This is my answer. I have no earthly idea. Les Hathon, Pastor Les calls it God math. All I know is when I committed everything to God, somehow the bread in my hands began to multiply. I would do a wedding, and instead of saying, here's 50 bucks, a gift card to Starbucks, you know, I'll give you three drinks nowadays, you know? And, and they didn't, they said, hey, here's $300, thanks for doing my wedding. It's like, I don't even know your name. I had to write it on my hand. You know, funerals and bar mitzvahs and just felt led to's. And by the time it was done, we didn't borrow a dime. We'd removed thousands of dollars of debt. We kept our pledge to the building fund and God had gotten bigger in our eyes as our provider. Come on. But if you're there now, you're like, hey, you're talking about like, like facing debt and not borrowing another dollar, facing generosity and starting to give what I have. How many of you guys know it can feel something like this? Like this, this literally is where we were, kind of like, okay, I'm going to stand... Like this is, this is what I got. But I'm telling you, in making the decisions of who's bigger, who's greater, who has more, who loves, who's generous, I'm telling you what, I, I'm just telling you, I, all of that was testimony to say this. 
God is a lot better than I ever gave him credit for. But I didn't know it until I turned around and faced the things that were chasing me. Until I, I literally took that moment to say, is what God's saying about generosity true? Is, 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 would he help me to get out of debt or am I on my own just facing sumo Joe, right? How am I, David the skinny shepherd boy in a thong, going to take on Man Mountain? How am I going to become generous? How am I going to... And so you got to understand this, that when it comes to things like generosity, it, this is where the rubber really meets the road, right? Like I can have all sorts of pious words, but this is... Matter of fact, uh, it was Wesley said, the last part of a man to be saved, to, re, to be converted is his purse. And I thought, well, it's about time a man with a purse got converted. I'm just saying. And he was like, the, the, the last part, and his experience of discipling people, where the rubber met the road often wasn't in if they prayed or how long they did. It wasn't whether they read and how much they read, what they memorized. It was, it was when their heart's treasure became something outside of themselves that was the last part of a man's discipleship process was to make Jesus Lord of that part of their life. This is why Jesus talks about giving and generosity and community in this sense twice as much as heaven and hell combined. So today, I, wanna, I just want to take a moment, because I think if you'll grab onto a moment or two of this, it can literally begin to affect all the tomorrows of your life, of your family, of the generations to come, and of the community around you. You guys still here? Now, look at this. Think about this. God's people have always been and will always be marked by generosity. Is that true? Look at this. I can't think of a single time in Scripture I can't think of a single, the Holy Spirit said, this is important, write it down, where generosity wasn't blessed and where the absence of generosity was. I can't think of a certain, a single time God said, I will give you a harvest where you planted no seeds. I can't think of a single time he said, be grouchy if you want friends. I can't think of a single time God God commanded us to withhold in a way that suddenly became something more. It is in the giving of who we are. It's It's in the sharing of what we have. It's in the loving that comes through us, not just to us, that the kingdom is revealed. So let's look at the counsel of the word of God. Look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 9. And here's this mysterious thing, and we'll explain at the end. Paul has an explanation for the observations of of King Solomon. And uh, Proverbs 22 says this, the generous will themselves be what? For they share their food with the poor. What Solomon is observing without explanation is those who seem to care about others' needs as if they were their own and they, they participate in meeting those needs, somehow, even though they're giving stuff away, there's a prosperity that comes to them. I, I don't understand how they can take this and give it, and somehow when they come back, there's more. If, if I have this and I, and I give that, I'm missing that. But he's not saying that. I took that and I gave that, and when I came back, there was more of what I gave away than when I started to give it away. Does that make any sense? And he, and he says this, and he looks back into the culture that God created the Levitical law And I want you to understand this. God's people will, have always been, and are today, and will always be best marked by love, come on, but also by generosity. Look at the culture of generosity. Leviticus chapter 19. This is what what the Lord says to his people. If you're going to be my people and reflect my image, my glory, my priorities, this is what you're to do. Don't go over your vineyards a second time. Or if you're picking grapes and one falls off on the ground, leave it. Leave it there. Why? Who's it for? That doesn't belong to you anymore. That belongs to people who have needs, people who are strangers in your land that have no land to farm. That belongs to people 
that, uh, that, that are, are in need, people that have nothing to eat. He goes, listen, when you go over, you know, you're cutting off the grapes and putting the thing, cutting off the grapes, sometimes a grape falls. Don't go back and say, that's my grape. If it falls off the, the, the bundle of grapes, it's not your grape anymore. God says it belongs to somebody else. Isn't that cool? And in doing this, how many of you guys know that if you're in need and it's grape harvest season, you're kind of sitting around going, okay, man, I hope they missed that bundle. <laughs> and if they did, a person in need, they said, you can't go back a second time. Go over it, and once you're done, go, oh, I missed one. You're done. You missed it on purpose. Whether you did it on purpose or not, God made sure that the people amongst us would be cared for by the community that was generous enough to just leave it for them. Does this make sense? And I love this last saying. He says, I am the Lord your God. Now, whenever you see that, notice this. Most often when God gives a commandment that we would not want to obey, it would make no sense to us to obey. He puts that statement, I am the Lord your God. In other words, like, I wonder what that means. Don't worry about it. I'm your daddy, that's why. Well, why would I? It doesn't matter. I'm your mother, that's why. And the same thing's happening here. Well, wait a minute. I, whose soil was it? Well, it was yours. It was your land. Whose seed was it? It was yours. Who tended to the vineyard that it would produce fruit? Well, you did. And then I pick a grape, it falls off. Whose is it? It belongs to the poor. It belongs to the stranger. You say, wait, that's not right. I farmed it. It's my seed. I tended the vineyard. I harvested it. I watered it. I protected it from scavengers. I fought off the bandits that tried to steal it. I kept the kids out of it. And, the, and, the, and now it's ready. And it's my harvest. And God goes, it's not. Not if you're going to be a generous community. If you're going to be a generous community, remember that in every community, there will be people with more than enough and people with not enough. And the way I provide for people that don't have enough without Shame, come on somebody, without shame, is every once in a while you're going to pass up a great bundle of grapes. They're going to see that bundle of grapes that you harvested, that you planted, that you tended, that you farmed, and they're going to see that bundle of grapes and say, my God has provided for me these grapes. It continues. Look at this. When you reap the harvest of your land, this is wheat, barley, you know, grain, don't reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings, that which fell out of your arms or fell off the cart from the harvest. Leave them for who? For the poor and for the foreigner residing in your land. And here he goes again, because I'm your father, that's why. I'm the Lord your God. What's he saying? Let me just ask you this one. Why did he not say, leave a bundle of stuff in the middle of the field? Why is it right on the edge of the field where everybody can walk? This is why. I believe this. Again, God, God understands that in every one of our lives, there'll be a season for us to receive from others what we don't have. And when that season comes, God never wants people to be humiliated for their lack. I'll show you more scriptures about this in Levitical law. God is not a God who causes humiliation. So where, where did he want that, that grain, that barley, that wheat to be? He said, right by the path. Don't harvest all the way to the edge. It's your land. It's your seed, you protected it, you prayed over it, you watered it, but there's a portion of it that does not belong to you. Why? Because there's people that have needs, and instead of making them walk to the middle of your field, Urban, go, hey, hey, check out Barney and Wilma. They're poor. Look at them walking in shame to the center of the field and carrying the gleanings out. They didn't do that. They could walk along the road and just grab a handful of wheat and shuck it up a little bit and pop it in their mouth. Matter of fact, did you know that Jesus actually did this with his disciples? Look at this. In uh, Matthew chapter 12, it says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. Hear me. Jesus' disciples were poor enough, in need enough, did not have substance enough to qualify to take from the edges of the field the grain that they needed to feed their bellies. Jesus, I just I want to hear this. 
the law of, of Moses given to them actually provided for the disciples of Jesus. And in doing this, he said, listen, there's no shame. They say, well, wait a minute, what are they doing? They're, they're stealing somebody's wheat. They're not stealing somebody's wheat. That wheat belonged to them. Why? Because God provided through others for them. Are you guys still here? Come on. Look at it another way. This is, a, this is another way that God feeds those in need through the generous community. Because during the seventh year, so you farm, 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 farm. Seventh year, don't farm. Just, just don't plow it. Don't harvest the olives. Don't harvest the grapes. Just let the ground replenish itself. But how many of you guys know if you don't plant a wheat field, there will be wheat that comes up next year. There'll be weeds. There'll be grapes. There'll be apples. And this is what he says. During the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among you, or among your people, again, those in need, may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what's left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Every seven years, the land got a Sabbath, and it was against the law to harvest anything from that field unless, come on, unless you're in need. A field that was unworked was a field that was unmanned. And do you see again the dignity that God gives to people in need? Are you still here? So they, they can walk out in that field not having the laborers and people working. And the, for whatever reason, we don't know why they're in need, by the way. We don't know if, you know, daddy ran out on them. We don't know if they're, they're drunkards. We don't know if they've been injured. We don't know if it's bad luck. We don't know. But we know this, that every community that God has established from the Old Testament into the New into today is a, is a community marked by leaving margins for people that have needs. Are you still here? Come on. Look, look at this. Um, another way to protect the honor of people. If anyone making the vow, dedicating themselves or a child to the Lord, if they're too poor to pay the specified amount in the law, the person being dedicated is to be presented to the priest. This is my son, and I'm a youth pastor, and I don't have the, the typical gift associated with your service to us and our family. But the priest will set the value according to what? According to what the one making the vow can afford. See, the laws of God don't make the poor poorer. The laws of God do not make the poor poorer. Those who have more than enough share with those who don't have enough in the hopes that the entire community has enough. And there's moments to be humbled and there's moments to be generous and we share in those seasons. Look at the law that prohibits blame and shame from losing everything. Look at this. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor, they weren't, but through whatever necessary, you know, their fault, somebody else's fault, the government's fault, the weather's fault, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner. Help them as you would a stranger stopping for food so they can continue to live among you. It wasn't to get rid of people. Oh, the, the poor have to leave us. They have to go to the other side of the tracks. It wasn't that. Whoever you are, whatever need you have, you live here, you stay here. Now, Jesus in the New Testament is going to take us deeper. You guys ready to go in the New Testament? You guys still here? I know. You know I'm not used to you teaching. You haven't made me laugh in three minutes. Hang in there. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6. This is what Jesus says. Don't store up. What's that next word? For what? For yourselves. Now, we are going to store for ourselves. We're going to have a moment of selfishness in a minute, but not right now. Don't be selfish with your treasures on earth where moth and vermin and rust and decay and destroy where thieves break in and steal. But store up for who? This is interesting, isn't it? If you're going to be selfish, make sure you're selfish in an eternal way, not in a temporary way. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's no moss there. There's no vermin. There's no rust. The IRS is not allowed in the gates. Hallelujah. They're thieves. I'm sorry. We're thieves. Not the IRS. We're thieves. Do not steal and break in. He continues. He goes, where your treasure is. Now he's getting at the heart issues. Where your treasure is, there you're, come on. Your heart's going to be also. 
And there he says something that we have to translate properly. And I'm not saying they've done a bad job, but understand the cultural context, not just the words that are being translated. Because it talks about the person's eyes. If your eyes are healthy, that word healthy means generous. The, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, in other words, the eye illuminates for the rest. It's the lamp. It shines inward. It shines outward. And what he's talking about is this. The way you see the world is going to be one of two ways. Through eyes that are healthy or generous. In other words, you look around and you look for needs. You look for people to help. You look to connect somebody who paints with somebody that needs a painting job. You look for someone who's building a center to help traffic girls with someone who's got a little bit of free time and knows how to do plumbing. You, you give yourself as a plumber to that project for a day or two or a week. If you look in such a way as to farm the kingdom, if your treasure is the generosity of God being displayed in the world, then your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eyes are, are dim, if they're stingy, I, I, you know, church is always asking for money. Yeah, government's always after my stuff. I've got my, I wouldn't even trust the bank. It's underneath my pillow. It's taped to the back of my toilet, right? Because then you're going to live in such a way that it's going to affect everything you see. You will look at people as vermin, pestilence, and rust when God looks at them as sons and daughters. But if you, with your eyes are open and it's bright, you're like, I'm looking for investment opportunities for the king. Knowing that a generous person gives away and somehow receives even more. Jesus goes on to declare that this is a heart issue beyond a heart issue to a master issue. No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. But you can't serve both God and money. You're going to have to choose who your daddy is. Now you say, well, that's what Jesus said. Did people really believe him? Let's find out. Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, that's what they're doing. What's the group doing? What's, what are the, the believers doing? All the believers were together and had everything in what? In common. So there's this, there's this common pot, this common bond, this common collection, this common, I, I got two cloaks and you're shivering in the cold. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you one of mine. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Look at that. And, and here's the most beautiful thing of all. Please hear me. No one told them to do it. Think about that. I got this place up north. I'm going to retire there someday. Mostly I just mow it, keep the mosquitoes down, plop it. So of these days I'm going to live in that cabin and that'll be my place. And all of a sudden you meet someone that has a need that's so substantial. Or you develop relationship with a group of people that has needs that are so substantial. You go, you know what? I, I don't need an up north place and a down south place. That's silly. I don't need a camper. I don't need, I, you know what? My, somehow in my heart I would rather give my treasure to someone who I treasure than to keep my treasures for myself. They consider it to be more valuable. So they sold possessions, they sold goods, and they gave to who? Anyone who they had need. I, I just want you to hear this. And, and I want to get this right, because this is so important. I, I know I can offend people um, when I open my mouth. So I'm aware of that. But hear me. Um, I never want you to give to God or to people as if you are paying your taxes. Does that make sense? I, and I know I've mentioned taxes and IRS agents all going to hell, and I mean only part of that. I'm, I'm kidding. But I, I never want to go, okay, I got to get my 10%, I got to get my 8%, I got my, my 14%, I got to keep my pledge. Like, I would never want to begrudgingly say to God, here, <sighs> if it's relational 
and it's loving. Listen, you, you, can, you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. It's part of a child with nothing will pick weeds out of the ditch to give to his mommy. Why? Because he loves her. And it's full of ants and bees because he's not smart. I have a story about that. This is a generous community that is living a normal life in love with God, in love with each other. And when people became their treasure, their treasures became less important than people. Paul teaches us to do something really important. You guys still doing good? All right. I got, I got one more teaching here. It'd be another half hour, but that's all. Okay, good. Second Corinthians chapter 9 says, remember this, whoever, and he gives us the principle. Remember, remember the opening scripture where he says one person gives and gets more? He observes it, but he doesn't explain it. Paul's going to explain to us why that is true. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, so they take a little, they, the expectation of harvest should be based on, right? But the person who sows generously, their expectation of harvest should be shazam, not, are you with me? So whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now he says this. This is important for you today. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. In your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. God will take money from a grouch, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Look at this. As it's written, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase, supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I love that expectation. And through us, remember Matthew 5 last week? And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me show you what he's saying is this. If you had three years to prosper, I'm going to give you something. It's the only thing you can use. And the next three years, the goal is to prosper. And I'm going to give you an ounce of gold or an ounce of seed. Which would you choose? What is an ounce of seed worth? Nothing. What is an ounce of seed worth? Not much, Right? But if you look at it this way, what, what Paul is saying, here's the secret to what Solomon observed. One guy gives and he's got more. One guy withholds and he has less. So how does that work? This is what he's saying. If in my hand I have what can multiply and I give it the right way because of God's heart for people, because of my heart for God, because of my heart for people. Are you still here? I'm not just giving it. I'm not paying my God tax. I'm not paying my people tax. I am finding places, people, organizations, projects that in my heart I specifically care about because I think God's invested a little piece of his broken heart into my heart until it breaks in a similar way. And when I invest in that, when I plant seed in that, it is absolutely true that in my hand I have an ounce of gold. I exchange it for a Starbucks coffee. I now have a Starbucks coffee. The the gold is gone. I exchange it for a service or product. But if I take that seed, everybody say seed, And seed being given to somebody to pay a bill is just like gold. But seed placed in the ground, please hear me. Get, 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 get. You ready? Seed placed in the ground lives under a different paradigm than seed in a person's hand. If it's in your hand, it's seed. It's potential flour. It's potential bread. But that's all it is. Seed in the ground lives under a different set of rules than seed in my hand. So an ounce of seed in my hand has a certain value. An ounce of gold has a lot more value. Are you with me? 
But if I put an ounce of seed in the ground, look at this, it says this. Here's Paul, or, uh, Solomon's observation. One person gives freely, it gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. I, a generous person is going to prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. How does that work? And this is why. Because anyone can count the number of seeds in an apple, and no one can count the number of apples in a seed. Because the seed lives under a different paradigm. You still here? Look at this. One ounce of seed, you put it in the ground, it's about a thousand seeds, it harvests, and the reasonable harvest, as I looked at the statistics today, is about 40 to 1. You plant one seed, that seed would produce about 40 kernels of wheat. So, um, two years, that two years, 40 ounces, planted again, 40, multiplied 40 times, becomes 1,600 ounces. One ounce of seed in two seasons has become 100 pounds of grain. I'd still rather have the gold, by the way, at this point. But three years, the third year, we plant all 1,600 ounces. The 1,600 ounces times 40 comes out to 64,000. Uh, now we're up to 4,000 pounds of seed in three years. And can we just go to the next one? Because 4,000 pounds times 40, and, and whatever that number is, 160,000, times 40, times 40, Times forty. What I'm saying is this: Paul lets us into the reason why Solomon observed, and we've observed that generous people tend to prosper differently than people who are stingy. Have you seen that? You ever known a stingy person? They don't prosper. They sit on their stuff and they protect it like it's important. No, like it's more important than the people around them. But people who are generous, God prospers. So today, we're going to be. Uh, doing a couple things. Uh, ben, join me if you would, please, and Pastor Ian, you can come up too. I, I want to say this to you. I, you say, Jim, I, are you trying to get me to give money? I, I think I would be insincere if I said that as my sole purpose. It is not. But let me just take one quick detour, can we? How many of you guys got 30 seconds for a detour? Here's, here's the moment we talked about, and, and the other ones that would go along with it. What if you became a seed? What if your words were thought of as seeds? What if, your, what if your prayers were thought of as seeds? What if, what if instead of just, you know, a little bit here, I just, I saw him, I said hello, I, just, I gave him 10 bucks, I said a quick prayer, I threw one up to heaven, I, 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 didn't, I didn't, you know, collect the debt they owed me. What if, what if everything we were became a seed in the hands of Jesus, knowing that it would cost us everything we are, but we want to be planted and produce a harvest? What if this church became a bag of seed, Many of you have been called a bag before, but not a bag of seed. Come on. But what, if, what if we realize that like on Thursday nights, we're not just going out to give away ice cream. We're going out to have conversations that affect people's eternities, who affect people's eternities, who affect people's eternities. What if we realize that our life laid down was like a seed planted? And we'll come back to the other thought as we talk about the seed today. What, what is the ground? What's the soil we're going to be planting in? Today, I want to announce to you four projects that this offering we're about to receive will go towards. Are you with me? You've seen other projects just about every week. We have a video showing you where yesterday's seeds went and the return that's coming back on them. Today, we're going to be investing in some real heroes. And I, I'm not saying that uh, in some sort of weird way. I mean this. If you are a single parent, I, I have nothing but respect for who you are and what you do. And I think that this community would be honored to be a part of helping people who are raising children by themselves. I, I think it's a great investment to make sure there's a group, like a single mom's group that's under Kimberly Bundy, 
two master's degrees. She escaped from an abusive Muslim marriage, gives her life to Jesus, and understands how hard life can be. She's earned her way through college degrees. She's raising wonderful children. And now she is a testimony to anybody else who wants to find their way out of the, the deprivation, the isolation. We have, a, we have a single mom's ministry. Come on. And we want, to, we want to support them. We want them to have Mother's Day celebrations. We want to make sure that if there's a bill that's not being paid, we don't want them to come up to, you know, fill out paperwork and talk to some Sanhedrin board of business people. Like, we, want the, we want Kimberly to know that if there's a need among you, they need not be ashamed of having a need. We want to have provision. We have a vision to provide provision for a group of people so they know the joy of being a part of a generous community. Come on second project we're going after today is the back to school thing. You're like, my kids are still in school for a week. I said, yeah, we're, we're excited that they're getting out of school or they still have one more week to be in school. I'm not sure which one. But listen to me, guys. School supplies are always the least expensive now. Buy them in August. They're, they're twice to 10 times the price if you can even find them this year because most of that stuff's made somewhere else. So we're going to be investing now and storing it up so that when the time comes, no one has to come hat in hand and my daughter doesn't have a protractor. I don't, you know, she's never going to be smart unless she gets a protractor. You know, she needs a... And last year, we were able to take, like, these calculus computer hand... Like, they're not calculators. They're like, they're like something we used to call a computer, and now they're in our hands. We are, we are going to be there, again, in our community as salt and light to provide for the need. Our summer outreaches. Man, I wish I had time to tell you what happened last Thursday. I'll just... Can I just tell you one story? We went down to hand out ice cream and connect with people. And one of the greatest testimonies I have ever heard in my life took place Thursday night. Someone who was going through a difficult, hard loss, seeking for God in, in, or in spirituality and crystals and new age stuff, runs into people as they were praying. They just felt like God said something about a color was put on their head. They turned around. They saw a woman with that color hair coming towards them. They approached them like they had an appointment. They addressed her. And during that time, over the next hour, she gave her heart completely and solely to Jesus Christ as Savior. Wait, 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 wait. She said, I just feel like, like, I just, I just feel like, I just, I just, I just feel, I feel, I feel like running. I feel like running. I remember the night I got born again, I wanted to try a backflip. I'm like, I know this. Like, you, you got saved. She goes, I just, I feel like, they said, well, do you want more? She goes, I want more. So they prayed for her, and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit on the sidewalk in front of the community center. And then she shared her story, which I'm going to hold for another time and let her tell it when she's ready. But man, you got to be kidding me. And people got to spend quality time with people. And I got to put my arm around a, a woman I never get to spend time with. It wasn't her, but it was, a, it was a, like a grandmotherly kind of person, you know, in front of her. It was like, it, we, we got to be salt and light and God got to connect with people. People who sworn off church, who'd sworn on crystals and witchcraft came to Jesus Thursday night. And one that recently just came out of witchcraft, she was a part of the outreach. Two weeks ago, got saved. She's a part of the outreach last Thursday night telling people about her savior. So we're funding that. You say, well, it's $900. What is this, a Make America Fat Again campaign? What is this? I mean, guys know if you hand out $900 worth of kale, nobody likes you. <laughs> so we started some conversations in the kingdom, and its king came to earth. We're going to do it again next week, and next week, and next week. And the last project is groups. You say, groups, what's going on with groups? You know, we meet here at the church. No, no. There are so many groups that close because of a need for child care. Paying, and then I'm going to tell you something, you need good child care. If a parent's going to relax and be a part of a group for an hour or two or three, they need to understand their children are well cared for. 
So we are going to be providing childcare out of this offering. So the total is this. Remember, childcare, single moms, outreaches, back to school. The total is $37,000 in this offering to accomplish these goals. Now, I know you. I know your heart. And if you feel like God is moving you to do something, you'll do it. And I, I don't know how to do that. So I'm going to invite Pastor Ian to come because he knows what to do next. Will you give me your attention for two minutes? Come on. All right. So the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. So can we give a round of applause to Pastor Jim and Dina? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They have, they have pastored and led this congregation in generosity to a point that we are so blessed. We are so blessed to attend and be a part of a church as generous as this is. Our kids are raised in a community that loves the Lord so much that generosity flows and flows and flows. So um, as you pray for, for what you're going to be giving today, we, we have a multitude of ways for you to give on your way out, cash and check. We will have the buckets there. And as a reminder, this is not to replace your tithe offering. It's, it's above and beyond. It's a faith offering and you know it's just so great to see the faith grow and grow and grow in this church we have never missed a kingdom builders goal since we started this so i'm excited to see that continue the second way if you have online giving set up you can do that the same and today we can announce that we have text to give launched here at freedom center church we got one applause so someone's excited uh, if you're watching on live stream or one of our house campuses you can pull your phone out and just text 810-425-1888 right there on the on the screen and the letters kb and the dollar amount that you hope to give um, it'll give you a quick little uh, link to fill out the information. And it, from then on, whenever you text that number, KB and a dollar amount, it'll, it'll auto-send the donation. So at this time, the band is going to play a little bit, just some music, so we can pray for what we're giving. There's cards in front of you you can fill out. Um, and, and then they're going to go back into a worship song. So let's change some tomorrows, church. Let's change some tomorrows. Lord, we pray as, as we launch these things, as we begin, as we change tomorrows, the testimonies of yesterday don't might not hold a candle to the testimonies of next week and the week after and the week after, Lord. We pray for the single moms and the groups and the back-to-school outreaches that you would be glorified, that you would be made known through the generosity of this house, Lord. We just thank you for it and pray you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Fill out those cards. Send that text. Can we put the text number back up on the screen, guys, just to make sure? If you'd like to stand, you can. We're just going to kind of have some time. Maybe you want to discuss it with your spouse. we got about 90 seconds of getting ready. Last Thursday, my four-year-old grandson got to choose who God wanted to give that $10 gift certificate to, to Uncle Ray's or the ice cream shop. My four-year-old grandson was so excited because he found two ladies that looked sad. And when he gave them ice cream, they looked happy. Come on. We're going to raise our children in a church that is generous. God's culture is generous. Father, bless our hearts as we make decisions. Not compulsively. Not begrudgingly. Cheerfully. 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 To meet needs, God. Cheerfully, God. Cheerfully, God. Cheerfully, God. Yes, God.